podcast brought to you by Scuttlebutt Brewing. Enjoy their new porter. Mm, they don't really give me a whole much more information about it. Uh, Alright, well, get ready for the least professional podcast you've ever heard. <laughs> um, welcome to X-Rated. Yes, we are your hosts. Uh, this is uh, Matt Fisher. And this is uh, Ryan... It gets better. <laughs> Whedon. Uh, uh, long-time listeners and amateur porn enthusiasts <laughs> might remember him best from the It Gets Better porn parody that uh, you might have seen in the Hump Film Festival. We were robbed. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't enter an amateur porn festival to make friends. I entered to win. <laughs> All right, Omarosa. And we didn't. And I was kind of upset about that. Um... Yeah, I remember my boyfriend at the time went to a screening, and it was a different screen than I went to. Like, mm-hmm. our schedules didn't align. And he goes, you used to date Ryan Whedon, right? And I go, yeah. And he goes, he's got a really nice body. <laughs> and I was like, what a weird thing to text me out of the blue. And then, like, three hours later, I went to Hump. And then I saw it, and I didn't know that it that's coming what he was referring to. And I was like, oh, Okay. <laughs> It's true, it's true. I, uh, I, at one point, was in an amateur porn film festival, and we lost to, if we, we didn't win Best Picture, that's fine. Uh, I was more upset that we didn't win Funniest, Mm, mm, although mm. the one that did win, it was that, uh, it was a, a parody of America's Funniest Home Videos, where they would intercut actual scenes of people laughing on the show America's Funniest Home Videos with like porn bloopers so I don't even remember that it was funny yeah. I remember I remember, <laughs> I remember seeing it being you like, say that Fuck. was such a scowl <laughs> it was funny cause it was like yeah that's that's better than our idea dang it <laughs> but it's okay I haven't been back have you have you gone back to, to other uh, humps since yeah I mean it's going on right now it is this is dating the podcast ah uh, whatever um, yeah, I should go this year. I have yet to go. Um, they do yeah. it for two weekends now, right? I think it's more than that. Jeez. Uh, we, should we mention that we just came from a, a live podcast taping? We did. Um, we we're just... not going to tell you which one because of copyright <laughs> infringement, but, uh, rest assured it was wonderful and all, you could, all you... parties. <laughs> you could say it was the greatest uh, of at least a, a certain generation. Yeah, a certain know. generation would call it the greatest. Tom Brokaw, I'm sure, would not approve. Right, he would probably he, have problems he, he would, yeah. with the name of this podcast. We, of course, don't. It, it, one way of putting it would be the best generation, but there's other ways of putting it. Yeah. Such as... The the ultimate. The ultimate generation. Um, um, you know, I mean, that might Really, be- really good generation... Uh, that that might be too obvious. It might just, we might just want to call it the greatest era. Okay. <laughs> you know. Yeah. We don't want to just give it away. Yeah. Right. If you haven't guessed it by now. <laughs> um. Anyway, that was a lot. Of, it was fun. I, I had fun. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, they made fun of redheads, so you know what's not to like. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't laugh at that. <laughs> just You're more strawberry, really. <laughs> 
I mean, we if you want to get into it, I I have a long-standing theory that Hollywood hates redheads. Yeah. Um, yeah. If if you think about it, they're often cast as the villain or the best friend vixen. Rarely, rarely are they ever. Um, they're never lead characters, and rarely are they given anything more to do than like they're often the snitch. Also, oh. like. It's usually the, they're usually the ones who. I mean, like, I'll, I'll I'll concede that point to male characters. Like I can't think of real charismatic redheaded men, like leading men. Like I feel like there are like redheaded ladies that that pull it off. You know, you got your Emma Stones out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there's others. <laughs> I feel like it's getting better, but it gets better. It does get better for redheads. <laughs> Uh, but, I mean, if you think about, like, The Incredibles, the bad guy's redhead, mm, mm-hmm. um, I'm thinking, like, Harry Potter, you know, Ron, their entire family's all, like, a side character story. Sure. Um, like, it's around. You see it a lot. Once I mean, you start does, to look for it. Does this go in, even into, like, Irish films? Like, are there no... Well, Hollywood. Okay. I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like, Irish films. I'm like, The Wind That Shakes the Barley. I'm like, I don't know, it's a brunette that leads that, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, there, see? Yeah. That right there is, like, we can't have a redhead in a leading role. Which is why Brave was such a brave choice. Oh. Uh, even though that movie was mm. troublesome. But, um... <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. Oh, I, well, I won't tell you too much. Uh, there's a redhead in it. Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh... Here's a, here's a theory. Okay. Uh-huh. Off the top. Um... Hollywood dislikes redheads more than they dislike people of color because oh, okay. Shawshank Redemption uh-huh. in the original story, Morgan Freeman's character was an Irishman. Oh, and there's all this talk about like people like of like Hollywood whitewashing stories mm-hmm. or whitewashing like characters like when they're drawing it from like source material. And this is one that the character was initially white, oh. but a redhead. Because his character is red. And he's asked about it, he's like, oh, it's because I'm Irish, and it's a big joke, because he's black. Okay. Uh, oh, that's right. Um, but yeah, in the book, he was just an Irish redhead. Wow. And for some reason in the movie, they gave it to Morgan Freeman. So... I wonder if he's That's like... how persecuted your people are. <laughs> in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's a painful struggle being... You live with every oh, day. Oh, God, let me tell you. Just the persecution going on for me <laughs> right now is tough. Um, <laughs> I it, Well, now I, I regret editing out all that Morgan Freeman stuff from the last episode. <laughs> oh, I am not prescient about these, <laughs> these things. Well, you know. <laughs> you're not like our Uber driver. No. <laughs> Who knew? He was a... He was... He... That was his superpower. He was there. He knew, guys. It's like I, I hailed the Uber, like I got my app out, and we couldn't even finish complaining about the look of the new app before he was there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I barely got to say, oh. We barely scratched the surface of how shitty it is. <laughs> We're so good at ripping things apart. <laughs> Dang it. So, wow. No. I guess I guess his power's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> and he has to live with that every day. And see, right right now, all right, Julianne Moore, but it's another lady. Ladies are allowed to be redheads. Yeah, but she's st- she she's still. I mean, she's like an Auburn. No, no, no. She's she's definitely a redhead. I guess it's just um, not I not when they're a star. Like it's in general, if you're a redhead, you're gonna be 
cast as like the slut or the vixen or if you're a lady or if you're a man it's pretty much like are you belittling her breakout role as the porn star in Boogie Nights no 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 that's a that was a great that was a great job she did um but again you know she has to be like a sexy character yeah and uh it's just a it's just a thing I've, I noticed or I, someone brought it up to me years ago and I just I still see it everywhere I am really struggling to think of like a male character like especially a male lead Listeners out there, if you can help prove us wrong, yeah, I don't know if that's the right term. We just want your help. Thank yeah. you. Think if you can think of any red-headed male, male leading. Lead. I mean, Robert Redford, I suppose, but yeah, even he's not super. It's like a chestnut almost. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we're still gonna keep going on this topic, but I will say that there in the movie we watched for this week. There is a redhead in it that I found attractive. Kate McFadden? No, 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 in the movie. Oh! <laughs> Although I do look up to oh, her. Oh, yeah, no, the, the, the redheaded drummer? Yes. Oh, yeah, no. Also he happened was... to be named Ryan. Oh, yeah, no. no, that was... You could hit my drum <laughs> any day. Phil... I don't know. Just... Hit that snare. I don't know enough about <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, drum sexual drum metaphors are hard. Yeah, uh, the mo- the movie I wanted to watch this week um, was Whiplash. Yes, directed by oh Damien Chazelle. This was his breakout directorial movie. Um, he has a movie coming out in a couple weeks called La La Land, which is apparently a yeah, musical starring great Emma things. Stone. Oh yeah. So we'll see what happens. How she's treated Hollywood. <laughs> uh... He also wrote it. He was a screenwriter apparently, mostly before this. He also he screenwrote um, uh, the new Cloverfield movie. Yes, which was surprising to me. I didn't know that. So yeah, that's cool. Um, and yeah, this movie when I watched it like a year and a half ago, I think it's the it's it's the movie in most in my recent memory that I really remember kind of knocking my socks off. Okay, um, and. Uh, Second time through, I still I still like it. I still think it's a good film. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of uh, hit me in a different way. Okay. Uh, it wasn't the the thrilling like uh, tour de force that I thought it was the okay. first time through. This time around, it felt a little like, um, am I is you know is this actually worth seeing as a film as a sure. movie? Um, that was a question I had a lot. I was like, because it felt like, oh, it's just a character. A character situation. It could be like you know a play mm-hmm. um, kind of thing. But then uh, it takes until I'll come back to this. But like the the last scene is when I started to realize like no, it really needs the music element. Yeah, and um, that's what I think makes this a good movie is that you can tell this story, but you need to tell it in film because you couldn't you couldn't tell this in a book. 
No. It'd be like, you know, it wouldn't, it yeah. wouldn't come across. You really need that sound element to it. So, so in that way, I was, I felt proud of my past self. I, I mean, there was, this. there was definitely some very cinematic moments. I mean, the opening scene where it was like the tracking shot down the hallway mm-hmm. to Miles Teller, Andy Neiman's the character's name. Um, and then you kind of realize that it's from the point of view of, of J.K. Simmons or, mm-hmm. or Terrence Fletcher. Terrence and Fletcher. he hears him first because it starts on a black screen yeah. and you just hear that snare roll. So it's like it starts with him hearing it and then going towards him. I am sort of predisposed to like a, a movie a little bit more. So this is my first time seeing it. I had never seen it before. Uh, I'd wanted to. It just slipped through the cracks. I'm sort of partial to movies where like the themes or the rhythm of the movie is laid out in the opening scene. Mm, okay. And the interaction that, that Terrence and Andy have, where it's like, comes in, pushes him a little bit, and then he's gone, mm-hmm. comes back, but it's like a fake out. Yeah. And then he's gone again. Like, the way that it, it played out, I was like, oh, I wonder if this is this, is their dynamic. Like, if this is foreshadowing mm-hmm. their dynamic. And, like, it was, but, like, in, like, the, the overall arc. Like, I didn't realize how much the opening scene was their dynamic. Right. Or was the story that was about to unfold until we really get to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see it that way. That's 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 a very insightful <laughs> thing to notice. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, movies that do that, uh, I'm a big classical music fan, so, like, in overtures, mm-hmm. you can often hear, like, all the music that you're mm-hmm. like that the whole opera is gonna have, and it'll have like little bits and pieces that take you all the way through. Right. So I always like it when a movie kind of does the same thing when it's like all like the themes of like all the dynamics is in just like the first like two three minutes, mm-hmm. and then the story actually starts. Like I don't know, jazz like, songs are like that too. Like you get the first like refrain kind of yeah. starts off, and then like they branch off. Yes, I think. Uh, I don't know a lot about jazz, but <laughs> oh. You'll be getting my <laughs> oh, good. opinions on jazz <laughs> oh, this is uh, great. as this goes along. But, um, yeah, so I, 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 I really, like, that was, like, one thing that I was like, oh, okay, cool, mm-hmm. I like that. Because um, I just sensed it. Like, I'm sure it was, like, the director's intent to, like, and the way that it was edited, like, and that's one thing that kind of made it that you couldn't make it a play. Like, it, it, they edited it so it's, like, he what like, Fletcher was watching do the drum solo. He looks up and he's gone. Right. Like, that, that quick cut... And then he's back, and, like, that's... It has the quick edit that, like, you... I don't think you could recreate in, like, a play. Right. Or a um, book, really. Or a book, yeah. yeah. I don't know if it would have the same impact, yeah. Um, and it's one of those subtle things. Like, it's just how quickly it's cut. Like, how it's, like, a smash cut mm-hmm. to him, like, not being there. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought, yeah, especially that opening scene was just, like, very subtle, like, feather touch to it, but still very good. Um, I want to talk about my problem with the movie. Great, yeah, I'd love it. Uh, and, it, like, I feel like if people listen, listen to this, they're going to think that I hate this movie. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't, but I already anticipate, not an argument, but, like, you defending it. Okay. Um, well, let's see. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe <laughs> you'll just be like, no, I had this written down. I had it, well, I had a different, yeah, I had a different feel for it. A second time through. So, um... So, my beef with the movie is that I just... I can't believe that there's a teacher like this. Mm. 
that like he, like drill sergeants can't talk to people the way that he talked to people. Like he was sexist, he was you know racist and you know xenophobic and in mm-hmm. these things. And like the idea that like it'd be one thing if this was like just like a top tier band that like it was his own personal funding like he was your boss in a band mm-hmm. and everyone in it was choosing to be there because like it came with like a level of prestige but like this was like a school and, like there's no possible way that like this school would let this teacher get this far without some sort of abuse or harassment suit against right, him repercussions which I mean that does crop up in the movie but it's like never would it get this far right in a music school unless like is he the head of the of the school i mean they don't make it clear but then how would he get fired i mean yeah yeah i mean he was like you know let go in the movie but like yeah it it wasn't and like i i feel like it's it's sort of a double-edged critique because it's like you know, like, Devil Wears Prada, and was like, oh, Meryl Streep's such a bitch. And, like, mm-hmm. I watched the movie, I'm like, other than, like, that scene when she was like, you have to get me that, like, Harry Potter book in advance, mm-hmm. I didn't think she actually did anything that was, that was that unreasonable. Like, she was, like, stiff and rigid and, like, unemotional, but I was like, she's the boss. Like, she's yeah. got, like, a fashion empire to overlook. Like, nothing really struck me as, like super bitchy like the way that everyone you know she's a monster she's not abusive like yeah. this guy he's full on abusive and so I was like in that respect like this movie delivered like he like yeah uh, J.K. Simmons character like had the reputation of being like this just destructive monster mm-hmm. and he lived up to it like his character met that reputation uh, like I don't even know if I can say this but like he called the kid like Jaime at one point oof I missed and, that. Yeah, and I was like, oh, God. I did write down one really creative um, insult, which is, you fucking pathetic pansy-ass fruit fuck. Oh, yeah, the is... homophobia. <laughs> oh, it was all over, yeah. But it also, the fun thing about the homophobia is that it almost seemed slightly accepting. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it was It was like he was... It's okay because you're a great music, you're a good musician. Yeah, he, like, he would, like he would call people faggots, but like it didn't seem like that was a judgment call. Like, yeah, like he said, he told that like one guy he's like, uh, "This is a saxophone, not your boyfriend's dick, so don't come too quickly." <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, it, like don't I don't know. Yeah, don't come early. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, even though like he was calling people gay, and it was like it didn't strike me as super direct. Like, I would almost say that like if I was a band leader, <laughs> if like if I knew the person was gay, I would probably say that. Like, there there was like. Uh, I don't know a jovialness to the homophobia, but only the homophobia really. Like in like yeah. the first scene when he's like, "Your first chair, let's see if you're only here because you're cute." And yeah, she plays like one note, and he goes, "That's yep. why." <laughs> uh, yep. But yeah, I just kept thinking I was like, he you know he slaps the kid, throws a chair at the kid. The only thing I can think of for why that would be acceptable is that he produces winners, and like the school just, would even would say then, like. Even then, no. I can't. I can't believe that there'd be any school that would allow this level of abuse. Like, I mean, other teachers witnessed it. Like, yeah. Like, I just I can't believe that. Uh, 
Maybe everyone's too scared to talk about it because whenever, you know, he's not in that room with the band. Yeah. It's like, he's so sweet. Like, there's that scene where he's gets, he gives that little girl the high five. Oh, and then, yeah. You know, and like, when they're in the hallways. Uh, yeah, he was super sweet to uh, Andrew, uh, you know, uh, Miles Teller. At one point, too, yeah. Yeah, when, when he's like, you know, just have fun, you know, stuff right. like that. And that was in the hallway. Yeah. And so it's like, maybe there's something about that room where it's like the kids in the room don't want to talk about it because they they just know that he's like oh he he makes us great yeah um and then nobody but then like nobody questions it cuz he just keeps producing these this great results yeah i mean i'm just trying to rationalize yeah. it at this point so. uh, but i hear you i totally hear you. if anybody threw a fucking chair at me i would be out of there so fast I would, I would say, fuck you. This is not worth it. So, my next <laughs> question, and this isn't necessarily a critique of the movie, but, like, they talk about it a lot. Like, the reason why he threw a chair, like, is that, like, Joe Jones threw a symbol at Charlie Parker, right. like, in front of a crowd, and, like, it embarrassed him so much. Like, he went home, cried himself to sleep, but, like, the next morning had, like, the resolve. He's like, I'm never gonna let that happen again. Mm-hmm. And, like, became Charlie Parker, like, one of the most influential musicians, like, in in, top, in, in terms of just musicianships, like, uh, of, of all time, but, like, potentially, like, the most influential of the 20th century. Right. Um, and, but then I think to myself... Did someone have to throw a symbol at Miles Davis to make him great? Did someone have to throw a symbol at John Coltrane to make him great? Did someone have to throw a symbol at the great Ryan Whedon to get... (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) To get a great opening... No one ever did. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A great opening music. (laughs) You know? Yeah. uh, So it's like there's, you know, all this talk about, like, you know, negative reinforcement being, like, the best reinforcement mm-hmm. for these people. And I just, I think, like, I don't know how true that is. It seemed like they were focusing in, or at least Fletcher was, on one specific anecdote. Mm-hmm. And he let that be his philosophy on life. Because mm-hmm. um, there are probably, you know, thousands, millions of talented people that did not have to have physical violence in order to become great. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I mean... But, I mean, they're not being talked about at, you know, dinner tables or anything like that. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. But, I mean, like, Miles Davis, like, I don't... Maybe, maybe he was. Maybe there was, like, violence that, like, pushed him to be great. Uh, or, you know violence that pushed Bob Dylan or Leonard Cohen to, like, be great. Like, maybe there was at some point, but, like, I feel like it was taking... And, and like, I also understand that, like, there are cocky people out there, like... And uh, Miles Teller in this, like, he had a little bit of ego. Like, he was cocky. Oh, yeah. Well, that's all he wanted. He realized that. Yeah. And and I think that um, J.K. Simmons' character also recognized it. You know, whenever yeah. he... And I think that's part of what you were talking about the opening shot because you know we're seeing his point of view so whenever there's a couple times when his eyes jk simmons eyes meet the camera 
Okay. And every time it does, it's like you get this fear because you don't want him. You don't want him looking at you. You don't want him to pick you because you know that that means he's going to be on you and he's gonna he's gonna push you in the way that he pushes you, yeah. which is scary. Yeah. You know, but like maybe they all knew that like that. Maybe he told that that story to everyone. Like this is how you become great. Yeah. And so that's why they all have that in their head, and it's like he just keeps reinforcing that for them. Maybe. Yeah. You know, and I just wonder, like, would Charlie Parker not have become Charlie Parker if that symbol hadn't been thrown at him? Like, well, that's the I, argument he I, makes in the bar when they're both yeah. sitting there together. He's like, you know, somebody would have just said, "Oh yeah, good job." He wouldn't have tried. He wouldn't have pushed himself to make that crazy solo. You know, so. but I just I personally feel that like Charlie Parker would have been great no matter what. Yeah, maybe uh, we maybe, won't ever we'll never know. know. We'll never know. Uh, and I feel like there's enough external factors in a person's life that will drive them to be creative without one piece of shit <laughs> making them feel horrible oh, yeah. about like themselves. Yeah. Because um, like yeah, like Miles Teller, like he was cocky and like you know you're not really supposed to say, like, oh, good job to someone who has, like, natural talent. Mm-hmm. You're only supposed to really compliment them when, like, they do go, like, above and beyond. But it's, like, that, like that's what I mean. Like, you're supposed to compliment them when they go above and beyond. Like, not shit on them. Mm-hmm. And he does. At the end, he finally says, like... Yeah. Okay, you're right. Um, you get this now. The other thing that took me out of the film... Uh-huh, go ahead. He rents a car. He's only 19. Oh, you can't no. You can rent a car when you're 19. You're right. Took me right out of the movie. I, was, I wasn't even thinking about that. And with good reason. He gets into an accident. Spoiler alert. Yeah. So, okay, well, that's actually a question I wrote uh, down from this time. Because in the first time I watched it, that car wreck was very shocking. This time mm-hmm. around, I knew it was coming. But it made, it made me question, like, are blindsides in cars cliche at this point mm. because I feel like I've seen that happen many times now now I will say the accident the way that it was shot and captured on film I thought it was great right I agree agree yeah but but yeah just the fact that it happens type of like t-bone accident it just happens I feel like it happens so yeah. much like a no country for old men it happens okay. at the end and like I've seen it I just feel like I've seen it a lot the people that I was watching with it was like car accident. He's gonna get t bone. Like everyone could see exactly what was gonna happen. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I'm I'm not. But the, it uh, yeah, it like, works for the film. It works for the film, and like it like the way that it was shot, I thought it was fantastic. Like mm-hmm. yeah. in the car. It, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's that's good. Um, I uh, also I'm glad that it was drums. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I feel like it's underrepresented as a solo instrument in movies. Like, I don't know how many movies there are about the piano. <laughs> I know that's like your your instrument. Of <laughs> no, choice. I hear you. I'm with you. But it's like I don't know. I feel like everyone plays the piano, and if they don't play the piano, they play the violin, and if they don't play the violin, they play the cello. And I don't know. I feel like those instruments are really easy to sound immediately expressive on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like it's harder with an instrument like the drums absolutely and i think i have a theory about why they chose the drums um is because playing drums is an inherently violent action sure Sure. you're taking a piece of wood and hitting a piece of metal you know or a piece of 
hide basically. Yeah. And it's like that's how you're producing sound. Yeah. So the violence in the movie could be paralleled with that sure. in a way. Um Yeah, well yeah, I was thinking when he was like practicing really hard and he was getting the blisters mm-hmm. in like the corners of his hands and it was like emotional scars were becoming physical scars. Indeed. And mm-hmm. Blood on the drum kits and uh, there's a surprising amount of blood in this movie. There's a, a shocking amount for about like <laughs> a, a kid and a teacher. Yeah, <laughs> like, I I noticed that this time around, thinking like, wow, they really well. There's a lot that of blood. scene where he puts his hand into the ice uh-huh. water, which is a beautiful shot, and it's like how like the water fills with red. Yeah, like uh, that looked real good. This is the second movie uh, I've recommended now that has a <laughs> scene. Where the whole screen just fills with red because it's blood and water. <laughs> oh yeah! As soon as that true. happened, I was like, "Ah, damn it!" <laughs> I have a I have a weakness apparently. You got a fetish for <laughs> blood and just water. Red filling the screen. Um, it's also like Miles Teller. Like I guess he practiced. Like he was already a drummer beforehand, and then he he took lessons before the movie in preparation for the role. Mm-hmm. Do you think um, that's really him playing it? Forty percent of the music is his oh, drumming. Wow. Um, but it, 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 for the most part, it was him drumming to pre-recorded tracks. Okay. But it looks pretty seamless. Yeah. Like, it looks like he's actually up there doing it. Um, there were a lot... that The first time I watched it, I just assumed he was a real musician that oh, just, yeah. like, happened to also be a decent actor. Actually, he does a really good <laughs> job, I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and this this time through, the second time through, I was thinking, like, there's no way that they could get somebody who's, like, this multi-talented, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, I'm glad that you looked that up, because yeah. I meant to and did not, so. Uh, also, fun fact that I found out while researching the film, it's, uh... One of the lowest grossing movies to ever get an Academy Award nomination. Wow. Look yeah. At that. Look at that. What did it gross? Oh, I didn't see that. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was just. No well, good for them. Theater, so. <laughs> yeah. Which good. is kind of sad. I felt like it was better that. Like, I think I've seen all the Best Picture no- nominees at this point from last year. Mm hmm. Uh, and I'd say it's one of the better of them. Mm. You know, even mm-hmm. though I'd spent. The last twenty or so minutes, like ragging on how elements took me right <laughs> out of the film, but uh, it, uh, yeah, I really like. I think for me, what resonated the first time and what still kind of resonates is that is the element of drive. Okay. In the in the film of just like what motivates someone to just to try to be the best. Yeah. You know? And like the scene the scenes where he's like cutting out his family and cutting out his girlfriend because he's like, I can't do this with you in tow. Right. Um, there was a time when I had an insane egomania and was like prepared to do all of that. And then I realized, you know, I'm just a person. (laughs) So it's like film rights to that. (laughs) Uh, you know, it's like, I wrote this down because, I feel this way. I feel very strongly this way. But, like, people that are really successful and, like, at the top and who become, you know, names past their death that people still talk about, they're jerks. They're always probably There are three demons you must slay in order to succeed. Friends, family, religion. 
Is that is that a Matt a Fisher? <laughs> is that a Fisherism? When opportunity knocks, you don't want to be on your way to some phony baloney church or synagogue or fraternity <laughs> ward. It's true. It's a Mr. Burnsism. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of the same thing, really, when you think about it. <laughs> um, but it's, I mean, it's true. I, I, I've met people that are really striving for that, like, legendary status. And yeah. they are... They're assholes. <laughs> I was going to say, can I say right now, I don't get those people. Yeah. Sociopaths, man. Yeah. Just like, gross. Like, I get the idea of, like, loving music and wanted, wanting to, like, make your living at it. Mm-hmm. But, like, sort of like how Miles was in this movie, that, like, he was okay dying at 37. And now you're right there. <laughs> <laughs> Next uh, year. <laughs> You know, uh, he was okay dying at 37, you know, from, like, a heroin overdose on the assumption that people would talk about him, Mm -hmm. like, you know, 40, 50, 60 years later. Right. I'm like, that's a really bold presumption, for one thing. (laughs) And there are plenty of people who thought they were hot shit and, like, died of a heroin overdose who nobody talks about. Right. Oh, totally. Um, So, maybe it's just... Maybe this is why I'm recording a podcast instead of making movies on my own. But uh, that is definitely a mindset that I do not share. Yeah. Uh, well, although I did like that dinner sequence when he was like, like I thought they ratcheted up the tension pretty good. It like, was great. I actually siblings. paused it because I wanted to write down like, oh, this scene is so uncomfortable. But like the way that like his family was like, how's your drumming going? Right. You know, a belittle it, belittle it. Uh, uh, a boyfriend of mine produced a movie once, mm. um, and we went down to like Sundance, like it premiered at the Sundance. Oh Festival. wow! Yeah, so we like we went down to to see it, and I like jokingly was belittling it. <laughs> <laughs> I kept calling it his little video, uh, <laughs> uh, even though it was like a feature length film with like known actresses in it, and, like. <laughs> Which, as we've talked about, is hard to make. Yeah. Well, we want to see your little video now. <laughs> In general, I think people just aren't just aren't interested, you know. And yeah. especially jazz. I mean, does anybody care about that right now? I mean, I'm sorry <laughs> if you do. Please speak up and tell me what I'm missing out on. But... So I am a big jazz fan. Oh, not the biggest, but big enough. Um, and. I felt like there might have been a missed opportunity in the finale. The finale? Okay, yes. go on, because I think that's the best part of the movie. It's it's a good part. But, so jazz, as Homer Simpson once put it, second Simpsons reference, Bobby Pond. You're going to get some Simpsons references. Uh, Homer once said, jazz, they just make it up as they go. <laughs> uh... And, and then proceeds to do very have a little lamb. lamb. Uh, and this really focused on the compositional side of jazz, which is also, I feel, an underrepresented aspect of jazz. Like, there is, like, strict jazz composition out there. Mm-hmm. And so at first I thought this was shining a light on that, which I, I really think is sort of underappreciated, especially because they were doing uh, Caravan, which, oh, God, I didn't look this up. I believe it was written by Billy Strayhorn. Uh, who was in Duke Ellington's band, but he was closeted, and oh. he didn't want the spotlight put on him. Okay. 
Um, so he really just let Duke Ellington, like, put his name on everything and let him get all the spotlight. But yeah, Billy Strayhorn was totes gay. But yeah, it's like, there is, like, a lot of composition that goes into, like, these jazz pieces. Especially, like, big band stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you're writing for, like, different sections and things like that. And, you know... It, it's a talent that, you know, not every, even classical composer can have to, like, write for, like, a big swing band. Uh, I was surprised at, at some of the compositional elements to, to the music in this yeah, film, pretty good. honestly. Uh, but I don't listen to a lot of jazz, okay. so. Uh, so, at the end, you know, spoiler alert, but, like, it's sort of a trap. You know, uh, Andrew is brought thinking that he's going to be playing Caravan and Whiplash, uh, the titular song, and Fletcher's like, and now for a new song, and Miles has right. to like, submarines him. Yeah, and I thought that like he was gonna just feel the music mm-hmm. and like improvise something great on the spot mm. to show that like he was like a true blue like jazz musician, like that he he could feel music enough to improvise on the spot like that. Okay. Um, or at least enough, because, like, I like I know that there's sort of, like, the drama of him, like, walking off stage, and you're like, he's been defeated, but then he, like, walks back out on stage. Right. And, and like, then that's him taking control, away. yeah. Yeah. But I, I felt like it was, like, a curveball, and I almost feel like it would have been better if he, he had handled it like in a way that surprised Fletcher mm-hmm. in a way that, that took him off guard that he was able to improvise on it on the spot mm-hmm. um, but then that, that I think that kind of does a disservice to the rest of the movie because then that means that he's just like some musical genius rather than somebody who puts in grueling hours practicing trying to become the best musician he can be I, yeah, I felt like there was just, like, an instance where it could have shown what really jazz is most known for, like, the improv aspect of it, which was really nowhere in the movie. Mm. Like, no one was really improvising so much in it. I mean, he was a little bit, like, he was soloing and, like, conducting the band from the drum sets. Mm -hmm. Uh... But it's it's like what jazz is best known for, so the free form modal improvisation was largely overshadowed. I I thought like that was going to be like the time that it came out to mm-hmm. show that like he was a true musician, hmm. um, and it, it it did it in favor of something that was was fine. Like I'm not belittling how they went for it, but I do kind of feel like it was just like a slight missed opportunity or like. It was like a choose-your-own-adventure, and they chose one way, and I wanted them to choose the other mm, way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was just like a thought that I had. I was like, oh, he's going to throw this curveball at him, but he's still going to knock it out of the park. I would uh, say I would say to that, you know, there's like, maybe there's there's something to that with like just some people who are just innately super talented mm-hmm. um, and can... You know, just you're you're just you're obviously going to go to the top. Like you're obviously the cream of the crop. You're gonna you're gonna rise. Um, but then there are people that work so hard. Yeah, they want to be at the top, and they they will it into existence in a way. You know what I mean? Um, there's obviously like some innate talent going on there, but it's like 
to get to that next level, you have to want it. You know, I think yeah. of like what was that? What was that film, Forty Feet from Stardom, where yeah. it's like one, they're talking with one of those singers, and it's just like if you don't, you can be an amazing singer or you know, or musician or whatever, um, but if you don't have that X factor of like wanting, wanting to be at the top. You're just you're just not going to make it there, you know. And I feel like our our Andrew here did, and he just had to find that that moment to do that. And it took it took the humiliation that the teacher did to him again, because he's an abusive asshole, <laughs> to bring that out of him, For you know. Real, yeah. And I think that's like maybe the point the movie is making with him being so abusive. In yeah. A way, you know. Um. I, the it, it feels like the two sort of reconcile there at the end. Mm-hmm. Like when, when Simmons is like conducting and like the movie ends with like a triumphant like point. Right. And I almost don't feel like J.K. Simmons earned that like, like I don't think they should have reconciled. Like I feel like he didn't get, Simmons didn't get his comeuppance like for... Uh, but I mean, yeah. I mean, he lost his job. He lost his job, but he seemed to get get like a fine, cushy job in the meantime. But uh, what what would you have wanted him? What, what wanted to happen to him? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I I just feel like it should have been like shoved in his face, maybe a bit more. Mm. Um, I'd like to think that in the in Whiplash two. Uh, <laughs> Our friend here, just Andrew, just goes on and becomes a very successful musician and does so by saying, fuck that guy, he was terrible, do not follow him anymore, he was a jerk, and then he like, then maybe we could even follow J.K. Simmons as he just spirals into sadness and despair. <laughs> that sounds like a good movie. Uh, what would the, the uh, Whiplash 2 colon, <laughs> like, new batch, uh-huh. um... Which I, it makes sense that they had a new crop of students. Uh, you know, Electric Boogaloo is too easy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think we could do something with, like, you know, drums. So, like, Flam, Bam, Thank You, Ma'am. Or, oh. um, <laughs> I don't know. Paradiddle You. <laughs> electric Paradiddle You. Uh, there's something in there, maybe. I don't have... I'm too tired. <laughs> I love the far side. I th- oh, did you have anything else before I transition into my favorite far side comics? <laughs> I mean, you know, the far side ended in like 1995. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I do have some favorites that I still think about. What's Gary time. Larson doing these days? <laughs> Is Gary around? Gary, you want to come on the podcast? <laughs> I would love to watch a movie with Gary Larson. Yeah, we should let him pick it. If he comes on, you like, you pick our movie and we'll watch it with you. He's going to pick like Fantastic Planet or something. Or maybe that's too obvious. Yeah. I don't know if I want to watch that again. It makes me feel weird. Weird how? Just in that funny, like, sometimes the 70s makes me feel funny. (laughs) 
Does that make sense? No. Okay. Like, I don't know. There's a weird... It won the Palm d'Or at Cannes that year. I know. I liked it, but it makes me have that icky... You, that was one of the movies you challenged me to watch. I know, show, right? and I... Listen, it's totally worth watching. You should see Fantastic Planet if you haven't yet. But it it gives me that icky 70s feeling of, I don't know, browns and like AM radio really like mm. bug me. Uh, I believe it was one podcast episode ago where you were praising AM radio darling Paul Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Look, <laughs> I've got strong feelings. I'm the, I'm the, I'm happy to be the emotional one here who, um, who just goes by his whims, but, uh, and the Phantom of the Paradise has some good music. Oh, great that music, isn't, yeah. And actually, I mean, yeah, some of that is AM gold. It's Whatever. Still, the Blu-ray is still exactly where you put it last week. <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it makes me feel icky. No, uh, I don't know if our listeners want to hear this, but like. I like ABBA. Oh, yeah. But that might be like the end of my like AM radio mm. liking. Uh, I watched all the like classic 2D animated Disney films this year. Oh, right. Like I literally started like the first weekend in January and started like watching two every weekend. Oh, yeah. And the original Rescuers mm-hmm. is like AM radio in a movie. <laughs> Like, it's like... Go on. It's like a Rita Coolidge song in movie form. Like, yeah, just soft rock, parent-ready, like, (laughs) yeah. What was the the name of of the woman, the bad woman in that one? Oh, I don't remember. She was the shining part of that movie, though. All I remember when I'm thinking about her now is her boobs. Like, yeah, they're drippy and just yeah. swinging all over. She is not wearing a bra. She she kind of seemed like like that's like between like Cruella Deville and Ursula. Or like, Mad it, Madam Mim would be the other one I would say. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And so like the villain in that was solid, but yeah, the movie itself is just fluffy garbage. Mm. Did you watch the Rescuers Down Under too? Oh yeah. Since you were going through them. Um, the crummy CGI. Oh my god. <laughs> like the cars are just like <laughs> rectangles. It that like it was bad. I saw it in the theater as a kid and I remember thinking, that looks terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like really just like blocks. It's just garbage. shapes. Yeah. Um Which is too bad because uh A, the movie's pretty good. Yeah. And especially the actual 2D animation yeah. is, is really good. Um, but then when they start... It's also got George C. Scott as the villain. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like... And he looks great all craggy-faced. Yeah. And just, yeah. Yeah, no, like that... Like, Rescuers Down Under is... I don't know why they chose Rescuers to do a sequel, but the sequel is head and shoulders better than the original. Really? Oh, my... The, I mean, I haven't seen it since I was The original kidding. Rescuers is, like, one of the worst of the Disney canon. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, Rescuers Down Under, I would put in, like, top ten. Really? Wow. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you really think there's an eagle that's big enough for a kid to ride on, though? I mean, it's Australia, for sure, but... I mean, really, it was the last of its kind. Mm. Like, 
That's why they Why am I trying place. to make it logic out of a fucking Disney, <laughs> Disney movie? Yeah. Do you really think that that crab's going to be able to direct an entire undersea orchestra? I mean, he can barely move. How would he even hold a baton? I mean, jeez. Yeah. There's so many, so many problems with this <laughs> with this movie. Uh, FYI, Little Mermaid is my favorite of the Disney movies. Oh man! When like I like try and like disconnect my nostalgia because I, I watched Little Mermaid a lot as mm-hmm. a child, um, but I watch it now. Like it's still so like a the songs are fantastic right. in that the animation is so good. Like there's a big jump between the one before that was. The Oliver. Black Cauldron. Oh, no, you're right. Yeah, Oliver and Company. Yeah, Black Cauldron, I think, was, like, early 80s. Mm-hmm. Black Cauldron's interesting. Like, it seems like they were trying to do, like, more Saturday morning cartoon type. Like, there's blood in that movie. Mm. Um, I think it's, like, the only Disney film that has, like, blood in it. I think I saw that in my gymnasium when I was in elementary school. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think that's when I first saw that. It so. has a really annoying sidekick. Like the a like Furby looking thing or yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's it like is. Jar Jar Binks. Oh. Um and it has kind of a plot that's like the lamest RPG you've ever played. I read those books as a kid. They were books? Yeah, the Black Cauldron's actually the second in the series. Um I cannot remember the name of the series. Huh. So that's gonna be a dead zone for us. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, listeners. If anybody remembers, it's like Lewin LL. Oh shit, I can't remember. Inside Lewin Davis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the name of the series. So when I watched all the Coen Brothers movies, you know what I called that marathon? Go for it. Coen the Distance. Oh man. <laughs> I had to work in one pun. <laughs> what was your uh what was your favorite from that group? I'm a big fan of Blood Simple. Yeah, it's a uh, great movie. It's a great movie. I also feel like it's like the Coens came right out of the gate with like all their themes already in place. Right. Um, and like everything else has kind of just been variations on like that theme. I mean, they have like their dark side and their comedic side. They're just solid filmmakers. Let's. I mean, oh yeah, like yeah. everything's good. Uh, even like they're like worst rated films, like Lady Killers, still pretty good. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. They do a good mix of style. And substance, which is always yeah pleasant. I tend to actually not like their comedies. Um, Although yeah, I did. I revisited Oh Brother Where Art Thou a couple recently, a yeah. year or two ago, and um, not nearly as great as I remember it. Yeah, I never cared for that one. I it's too farcy and and like just silly. I don't yeah. know. It didn't doesn't connect. Yeah, I don't know. Like their comedy is like when I watched. Uh, what was the name of their last movie? Oh, uh, Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar. Like, I just, I, like, I don't get it. Like, I, mm. and, it, yeah, I had the same problem with that one that I had with, uh, Burn After Reading, where it's like, there was good ideas, but it felt like they stopped short. Uh. That one just feels like the movie studio's like, here, make a movie, and they're like, I guess we have money to make a movie. <laughs> Do you have any ideas? No? Okay, well... Let's just try and make something. I would have watched an entire movie with twin Tilda Swinton's as, like, gossip columnist. Like, 
that's a movie in itself for me, and they gave her like five minutes of screen time. I know. Time. No, and the, yeah, that, they had too many celebrities who were like, I want to be on board with this. Yeah. And so they're like trying to shoehorn in ways to put them in there, and it just. And the only time I ever work. find Channing Tatum attractive is when he's dancing. And they didn't have him dancing enough in this movie. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah. It's like, I like the Magic Mike movies a lot too much. Uh, really? I yeah. was very disappointed by the first one, so I didn't see the second one. Oh, the second one's even better. Didn't Steven Soderbergh say he's going to stop making movies after Magic Mike? He was like, I need yeah, to make this. Yeah, that was his last movie. I need to make this. He didn't make XXL? No, he edited it. Mm. Um, he made that show on, like, Showtime called The Nick. Mm, I, don't know. I didn't see it. It had uh, Clive Owen in it. Mm, okay. Uh, but I believe he is actually making a new movie now. <sighs> you can't do that. I mean, <laughs> you know, by the way, my favorite far side comic <laughs> is the one with the T Rexes sitting down to dinner. And just the cat, and one of them's holding a, a bowl of mashed potatoes, and the other one is saying, "Well, I'm trying to pass the mashed potatoes, but my forearms are just as useless as yours." So there, I had to get that out. That's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Gary Larson. Gary You're Larson. welcome to come on. I mean, he seriously did stop like writing comics in '95. <laughs> Well, what's he been up to for 20 years? We can talk about it. <laughs> like 21 years. <laughs> Is he still around? If I find we out We have listeners past, younger than this. this. <laughs> Presumably. Hopefully, yeah. Hi, Mom. Oh, wait, not my mom. <laughs> Hi, Matt's mom. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, well, yeah, so what's what are we watching for this next week? Oh. Um... I didn't run by you first, cause, and it, so I don't know if you've seen it or not. That's okay. Um, I'm going to pause a lot, in case we need to edit this, and I have to say a different movie. <laughs> have you ever seen The Sweet Hereafter? I have. Okay. But I'd, I'd be happy to talk about it. I mean, that's why I wanted to talk... Uh, that's why I threw Whiplash on here, is because I just... I want to be able to talk about these things. Okay. That was actually, today coming into this, it was just like, I'm so excited to ta- actually finally get to talk about Whiplash with somebody because nobody else had seen it when, okay. I, yeah. when I saw it. It was just like, oh my god. That Lowest grossing I, movie. Yeah. yeah, I need to, yeah, I, like I need to talk, I need to say something about this movie to somebody. Um, yeah, I would go, I would sit Okay, today. my next movie is The Sweet Hereafter. <sighs> okay. I mean, I, you may have forgotten, I gravitate towards the most depressing films like that is like the sun in my cinematic universe it's a it's a heavy one guys just just wait till i'm like i think it's von trier time Mm. like please don't make me watch antichrist again can i please have a veto on that i don't i don't need to see william defoe coming blood again i really don't it's it's in my brain forever I remember the first time I watched Dogville, I had to pause it and go and take a walk because it was, like, having such an effect on me. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, like, and... Oh, I'm all burpy. <laughs> I can edit them out. Um, but maybe I won't. Maybe I'll edit, I'll edit in extra burps for you. Um, but, yeah, I feel like his films are very easy to understand and absorb, but, like, that's part of the problem like mm, 
That's the devil. The, the potency it. it just goes like straight to the heart. Like it goes right into your system, mm-hmm. and it's not like you have to think about it. Like it's already there. Yeah. Um, okay, so sweet hereafter next sweet week. Hereafter. Speaking about making me sad. <laughs> um, and then yeah, so we should plug our junk. I'll do another little music thing for that plug or junk. Uh, oh, that'd be a good one. Yeah. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. One is... Twitter is... X-rated, X-rated movies. movies. And then our Facebook page is rated X movies. And that's E-X, as in no longer dating. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, set, correct us, but be kind... We're, we're gentle souls. Um, and, you know, send us funny things if you feel the desire. We're most receptive to, to cute animal pictures. Oh, man. So if you're like, one star, but here's a little bunny, like, you know, I'll look faster. <laughs>